Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I'm the founder and CEO of Mara Poling. Happy to be with you again this week as we finish off our three-part series on managing in a recession. Managing in a recession, rents. Last week, we talked about vacancy. Two weeks ago, we talked about collections. This week, we're going to talk about rents. Can you still grow rents? Do you grow them more slowly? Do rents become flat? Do you have to reduce rents? What about concessions? How do you manage all that in a recession so the asset continues to perform? That's what we're going to address this week. As always, if you have questions, feel free to shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com. Please swing by the website and check out the Learning Center at marapolling.com. That's M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. Lots of great content there on the Multifamily Real Estate channel. You can also look at our podcast archive, and you can register for upcoming webinars, uh, and soon, hopefully, some live events that we'll have uh, back and operational for everyone. So how do you manage rents in a recession? Well, let's talk just for a moment about what's going on right now in the marketplace. Rents on the multifamily side are kind of all over the place. There are absolutely markets where rents have come down. And those are some of the more overheated markets, if you will, some of the coastal markets. And they tend to be a little more in the Class A space. Class B assets pretty much holding their own. Class C's have actually seen rents move up, which Class C's are kind of hard to do a lot of rent movement in. Obviously, there's more interest in the value side of the market right now from a tenant standpoint. So there's an opportunity to have some rent movement in that particular space. We've been very fortunate uh, and, you know, I think, uh, what is it? Fortune favors the prepared. Isn't that the, the saying? Uh, we've been very fortunate in that our assets have uh, ranged from uh, having their rents stay flat, so no decreases, uh, up through being able to maintain some reasonable uh, increases. So before I talk about each of those options, uh, lowering rents, keeping them flat, growing them more slowly, the role concessions might play, and so on, Let's let's talk with actually again how you plan for this because as we said if you're going to own real estate long you're going to own it during recessions and you should plan for those recessions and your underwriting should keep in mind that you're going to have periods of time where rents are not going to move the way you might normally want them to do so this is one of the reasons why we advocate that when one is underwriting rent movement that it's underwritten at a portion of the available rent movement. So let me give you an example. If we have a property where the rents are $700 a month and the competitive environment is at $800, well, we could underwrite moving the rents $800. And in doing so, we'd have about a 50-50 chance of being correct, right? Maybe we get to 800, maybe we do better, maybe we do a little worse. 800 is kind of that median number because by definition, that's what we went out and studied was the median uh, number for all of the comps. It makes more sense in our mind to underwrite $760, $765. Now, 
Now, that doesn't mean that operationally we aren't going to do everything we can to achieve 800 or more. It simply means we want to underwrite a more modest number. What that allows us to do as we're implementing our improvement efforts and moving rents and managing them is that gives us room to be able to manage the rents in light of these kinds of events. If our underwrite says over the course of two and a half years, and that's probably a typical time frame, we're going to make that move from 700 to 765. Then if we have a recession, whether it's two quarters, three quarters, four quarters, if we have a recession, we're not going to be really damaged by it because our rents, maybe they've gone from 700 to seven and a quarter, 730, 740. We're not at 765 yet. We also haven't planned on being at 765 yet, right? We gave ourselves some time and we actually aimed for a more modest number. Now, that's if the rents have to stay flat, right? That puts you in a position where you can hold your rents flat. Well, what about lowering rents? Well, yes, in some instances you might have to lower rents. And that's why we always underwrite a certain level of concession activity. We don't use a lot of concessions at our assets. We have used some recently to help spur renewals so that we can maintain. And if, as I said on uh, last week's episode, actually we've actually improved occupancy at assets. So we do use some, but we do not use the full amount that we forecast. So that amount that we forecast gives us an extra tool so that we can give the tenant the financial experience of having less cash come out of pocket, but we're able to maintain our rents. Now, it's really a market-by-market market situation as to whether or not maintaining your rent and offering a concession, which lowers the rent, or simply lowering the rent, which is the better option. A lot of that has to do with simply what's the rest of the market doing. If the market in general is using concessions, then we want to do that. If the market really has cut rents, in particular some very specific comps, right? If the folks you're really up against have cut their rents, then that may need to be the, the strategy as well. Financially, it's going to have the same experience, right? We're going to experience the same thing, but it might be structured a couple of different ways. Ultimately, it's whatever is going to work inside the competitive environment to get us the best value we can for each unit that becomes available. So rents could decline in the Class B space, in growth markets, with appropriately diversified economic sectors, employment sectors, it is much more likely that we're going to be able to maintain our rents and potentially even continue our growth, which some of our assets actually are experiencing that. So not only are we seeing reasonable levels of collections and uh, improvements in occupancy, but we are continuing to move rents. All of that has everything to do with the competitive environment in the submarket and the conservative level of underwriting that was put into the acquisition. If this was an acquisition that was developed to be more speculative in nature, where there was a need to grow rents dramatically over a short period of time, and then you got caught, quote unquote, in a recession, that could have a significant impact on the performance of that particular 
asset. So rents can decline. We've seen that in markets that were either overheated or that didn't have the strength and stability that we advocate for. Um, rents can stay flat, and there's nothing wrong with flat rents. Tenants continuing to pay flat rents, keeping occupancy healthy, maybe even improving occupancy as we have, and keeping collections strong, that's a really wonderful way to perform throughout a recession. And remember, it's a, it's a cycle. Recession followed by recovery, followed by growth, followed by maturation. There will be light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, this particular recession, triggered by the global pandemic, may see light at the end of the tunnel when we have some uh, not only actual uh, response to the pandemic, right, in, the, in which we can see uh, more of the economy opening back up, um, but also when consumer confidence, right, because regardless of whether uh, a jurisdiction has closed, for example, a restaurant, um, if consumers aren't confident that they can go out and enjoy a meal at that restaurant, well, they're not going to go, even if it's open, right? So uh, the recovery here is going to be part and parcel of the actual response to the pandemic and the response that consumers have to that. It could last through 21. That's a real possibility. If, again, as I said, if an asset was built with a speculative component to it, that could be really damaging. If rents stay flat or have modest levels of growth over that period of time, those assets are going to continue to perform well. That's, that's a real uh, positive. Now, that's rents. What I haven't talked about yet and what's an area that really can be valuable during a recession is other income. So other income tend to be items where there is a more clear value proposition in terms of we, as the owners, provide an amenity or a service or some specific element of value to the tenants in which the tenants see that value and say, I'm comfortable paying X dollars to have that happen. So some of the amenities that we offer at some of our properties that fit into this category are washer-dryer rentals, right? Tenants, this is the number one item on tenant wish list, having a washer-dryer in the unit. If we have the ability to do that, whether it's by uh, doing a retrofit to put washer-dryer hookups in and then adding the, the appliances themselves, or the hookups are already there and we simply... Uh, provide the appliances to the tenants, that is a extremely popular amenity. And if we don't have that at a property, uh, now would be a great time to roll it out. Uh, all of our properties that have the ability to have washer dryers uh, have them available, and that continues to be a positive. That's a wonderful return on investment for the modest cost of purchasing a washer dryer uh, and the ongoing maintenance associated with it relative to the kind of dollars we can get in return. You've heard us mention package lockers before. In this day and age, people are getting more and more of their uh, retail uh, online, which means getting package deliveries, and we all worry about porch pirates and uh, inclement weather and all sorts of other issues. Package lockers are a great, great way to address that. Uh, well worth the small... 
uh, price that we ask our tenants to reimburse us for the cost uh, of those. Uh, we also have other income that comes from just traditional fees, right? We try, for example, to have our properties be very pet friendly. If you are looking at either uh, purchasing a multifamily property or even a single family rental that you have, the more pet friendly you can make your rental, uh, the wider the audience that you have. And uh, as a country in general, we love our pets, right? We love our dogs, we love our cats. Uh, and we're often willing to spend a few extra dollars to make sure that they're comfortable and that we're comfortable having them with us. And so pet amenities, whether it's uh, a dog run or the amenities inside the unit in terms of how the interior is managed, for example, uh, limited amounts of carpet, if uh, carpet at all, uh, a fenced courtyard, those kinds of items, those can all be very beneficial uh, in terms of attracting uh, those tenants and then generating income from the pet fees and the pet rent that goes along with it. So let's look back at all of what we've talked about. While there are absolutely things you should and can do in a recession, while we're actually in the recession, about working with tenants to make sure that we optimize collections, about using digital tools, for example, to uh, work on vacancy, about communication with tenants on renewals, about potentially using concessions to incent renewals, about rents, about using all these tools and other income to keep the revenue line stable and growing, uh, if at all possible. While all of those are things we can do in a recession, I hope the takeaway you have taken away from these three weeks has been the time to manage in a recession is when we're not in the recession, when we're acquiring the asset. When we purchase an asset, the acquisition process, the underwriting, the thoughtfulness about what the future may hold, the stress tests that an asset should be put through, that's the time to manage the recession. It's when the property is being acquired. It is extremely difficult to purchase an asset without those elements in place, and then when one finds themselves in a recession, be responsive in the way that you need to be. There's simply less room to maneuver if that's what you've done. That's been our experience, and for those of you that are building your own portfolios, uh, I'd, I'd love to hear from you if, in fact, you have uh, some stories of how that has worked for you. For those of you that are looking to invest, and it's quite interesting, investment activity has not really slowed down. We continue to have a great deal of interest, not only in our total return fund, but in our other offerings as well, uh, driven in large part by people seeing the value of a stable, secure investment in multifamily, especially given the level of volatility that we see in some of the other investment products that are available for folks out there. So if you're considering making an investment, whether it's with us or whether it's some, with someone else, part of the conversation I would encourage you to have is to talk about how those assets are underwritten up front, how the acquisition is designed so that it can perform during the recession, and then obviously to ask the question, how are the assets performing during the recession? And, and if it's not a fund like ours, right, maybe you're investing in an individual syndication, 
ask for examples of how other assets that they own currently are performing during this time frame. Uh, you'll be able to learn a lot from that and get a sense as to whether or not the methodology that sponsor uses is consistent with the potential conservative approach you want to take. By the way, that doesn't mean that it sponsors who aren't investing conservatively are bad sponsors. They're not bad sponsors. They're simply implementing a different business model. There are opportunities abounding today. I did a, a underwrite with Bill just this morning on an asset that somebody is going to make a lot of money on. It simply doesn't fit our criteria. It is too aggressive an investment at this point in time. But it has all the hallmarks of a solid asset that can perform over time. It simply has more risk than what we're comfortable taking on. So there are good investments out there in that more aggressive end of the market. Understand that they just have a different risk profile. So I hope you found this series valuable. Every now and then, it's, uh, we enjoy kind of putting some ideas together that take a little more than just a standard 20 or 25 minutes. So I hope you found all that valuable. As I said before, if you have questions, shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com. Please swing by the website and check out the Learning Center, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. And please join us again next week for another episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Poling.